damn, the podcast hosted by three ages of Santa, it looks like. <laughs> hey. Welcome to Generation Dan, the podcast of uh, uh, generational differences. I'm Atlas Novak. I'm your millennial. Who else is with me? I am Dino the Jedi Marvel. And for once, I am not the oldest person on here. Aha, look at that. Now I'm, I'm a young wow. guy. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Our guest today is uh, Stephen Allen Green. Former a, guest. I'm not going <laughs> to. He just leaves 30 seconds like, in. Like, oh, I didn't come here for this shit. <laughs> Actually, I did. <laughs> All right, carry on with your introduction. No, uh, Stephen Allen Green is a comedian uh, uh, from L.A. whose name is on the side of the comedy store. You will show respect. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> No, that's just that's only because I changed my name to parking right arrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the key. That's listen, you gotta work with what you got, right? That's the only thing. Carry on with the introduction. I need this. No, that was, that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> he's on a wall. My name's on a building. At least is what he's thinking. He's like he's I don't know. <laughs> I met you like what four days ago? And yeah, then... and I still can't shake it. <laughs> It yeah, just seems like nice, a big deal. One of Carol, Carol Newell's gigs at the uh, Universal Bar and Grill yeah. that I yeah. promised I would never go back to that venue. It wasn't the venue's fault, but two years ago, last coming up on three years this February, I had a terrible experience. We made we make there at a comedy night. I don't want to talk about it right now. But, oh, okay. So I promise. Right. But I love Carol. I love what she does. And you, mm -hmm. you came up to me, and I'll never forget what you said. Um, You said, Stephen, you're the greatest comedian i've ever seen uh compared to you i have no talent yeah. and then yeah, I, I said can. to you who are you <laughs> who, what is this about when well, you want to borrow some money <laughs> that's exactly what he was going for 100 yes person i just met i would like to borrow some money <laughs> you know that would make it a lot easier for people Rather than I got to own now, Bob wants to borrow money. He's calling the phone. I can listen to his fucking story. <laughs> I was going to pay me back. And Honestly, I find that when they come up, they're like, oh, can I tell you a story? And I'm like, bro, here's five bucks. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Right. Take them out. Just, I don't, I don't yeah. want to have this interaction. I'll just give you the money. It's like a modern day Dane Geld. That's a modern day what? So a Dane Geld back in like the Viking times was a, a bribe for like the, the, the people sacking your town to like fuck off. No. It's literally that meme where it's like, here's 3,000 pounds of silver to mm. fuck off. Like, get yeah. out of my life. Don't come yeah. back. Well, I feel I like, like that. the, that's a useful skill set. It's like, hey, I am the, the liaison between the criminals and uh, the good people. And I figure out payment. I get a little skim off the top. And everybody's happier and nobody's destroyed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a good gig. And speaking like of it. the the, uh, the liaison between the normal people and the criminals, Santa. Uh, yes. The biggest criminal of them all. Yes. He he only came once a year, but when he came, he came to destroy. He only comes <laughs> once a year, and he only likes Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when he's useful. Fuck him the rest of the time. Yeah, Fuck Santa, man. Santa's a fake. You know. <laughs> I have any cash on me, which is a lot. Bro, do you have any change? Yes, I do. Can I have some? No, you cannot. Yeah. That is a completely... Reasonable conversation. I am still waiting for the day a homeless person has Venmo because I'll be fucked because I almost oh. never carry cash on me. And no, then... you can just say no. 
No, no, but I mean, like, I'll be so No, no. Right? Hey, man, do I change on you? No, I don't. And then he's if he goes, I have Venmo, you're like. I think uh, there should be. I always thought, seriously, there should be some sort of homeless app. Uh, I've wanted to give change. In the old days, I had, everyone has change, you know. Quarters, you know. The bus, the phone. Oh, yeah. great. I, I can get rid of the pennies, you know? Oh, yeah. No one liked pennies. Now it's all for Coinstar. Like, <laughs> yeah. Although they're like, we can get go, we can go to the ATM. Bro, Something like I, that. I can't. I, I'm like, at the same time, like, there's been a few scams in Toronto where they've revealed that people were like begging on the street, but they also had like a nice apartment and a car. And they would just beg for the, in a popular area. So people would just give them money. And I you're mean, like, is that any different from busting? Like, I, I we live in a weird play a world. Okay, <coughs> our world is broken. Like, okay, how good also, to be homeless? But also, people your age and Stephen's age and my parents' age are just doing weed in the in the everyday, and it's not like oh, we gotta do it in the back room at a party. It's like, I'm going to the dispensary. Can I pick you up anything? And that's what I love about the 21st century. I mean, you know what? That isn't a bad thing. Like, I know I've smoked oregano at least three times in my life. <laughs> and I'm, cool, but I'm like, I'm still come across as a white guy. So Yeah, that's why I got fired from the Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to have a good time. Not one I person on the street is using the money for good purposes. Like you know, Joey. I know. You look right? like a homeless person. We all look like homeless people. We None of us look them. normal. You know what? Only once in my life have I made the mistake of shaving my beard during the winter, and I was like, never again. I'm not. No. It's horrible. The 21st century, the weed is cheap, and the women are cheaper. I mean, batting a thousand there, Joey. Like, it's just your time to shine. <laughs> so what are we talking about? I've got, uh, yeah. Seriously, yeah. Where, where are we at? That's so a great question. The correct age to tell your kids that Santa isn't real. And yeah. for the seven year old who got a hold of your dad's phone and is listening to this, yeah, he's not real. Sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> so there's a correct. So wait a minute. We're first. Okay. So I'm trying to understand something here. Are we presupposing that there's a wrong th age? No, that's that was presupposing what I was going to say, <laughs> what I was going to ask you. I just took a pause because I was trying to get the right words. Is is there? Are we pre, seriously? Are we pre-proposing that children won't figure this out on their own? I don't think they would figure no. out in time well, to okay, not right. get a complex about it. You either get told by one of your friends who either figured it out on their own or uh, older sibling, right? That happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Sam is not real dummy, God, or like whatever. Yeah, it's used um, as a weapon. A little yeah, brother I mean, thought there was Santa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so like. You, yeah. you usually get it through your schoolmates. I figured it out when I was 10, I think, 9 or 10. I was 10 when my friend Mark yeah. told me. Yeah, I remember. It, it was... It I destroyed was doing, my world. <laughs> I was doing the thing where, you know, when you're like, oh, I, I, I want to, like, find the Christmas presents before or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, so you're, like, looking around the house. And then I found, like, a stash of whatever was being given to me and then wrapped it back up, left it there. And then on Christmas, it said from Santa. And I was like, oh, okay, he's not real. And then 
that was it. That wasn't really like devastating. You said it destroyed your world. Well, okay. It, I'll, I'll answer that secondly. I want to address this point you just made was that my father at the time was uh, an executive with Hasbro toys. <gasps> so he would go on long business trips. Cause I think he had girlfriends. Um, and, you know, like a gentleman, that's fine. A man with toys. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just ruined it, didn't I? New, new from Hasbro. <laughs> I mean, it was only a matter of time that was going to happen. So, I mean, I think I caught him, you know, uh, putting the present, wrapping it, putting it in the tree or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I think at, at the time, uh, he, I believe what any. What my parents told me, you know, I was like, you know, Dad, what are you rapping? Why are we waiting for Santa? He goes, Oh, well, uh, Santa called me and he was busy, so I'm doing this for him. Okay, okay. Or, you know, there was some kind of logic. But going back to your your, your point, why it destroyed my world, it, it's an interesting thing considering the novel I'm trying to finish to write, not to read, um, is. Uh, when my 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 first friend in life was Mark Youth, H U T H, Youth, and uh, his father was a famous actor, da uh, David McLean, who was the Marlboro Man, the original Marlboro Man, and not so okay. ironically died of lung cancer. But anyway, <laughs> Mark told me when I was in Beverly Vista Elementary School in Beverly Hills, nineteen I was I was ten years old. I was born in fifty six. So it was must have been in must have been 10, maybe he was younger. But anyway, we were, I remember he just, I was probably said something like, you know, what, what is Santa, what are you hoping Santa will bring you? And he said, he didn't mean this in a mean way. He said, you still believe in, that Santa's real? And that, I think, was the beginning of realizing there's going to be a long trek to adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, shit. I thought being a kid, I thought life, because I was a kid, yeah. I thought life was all this fantasy stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. do, do you know, uh, we had a, uh, in Beverly Hills, and we weren't rich. We were, back then, it was a middle class uh, income to get a nice house that's now like $3 million between yeah. Uh, Wilshire uh, and Olympic. And mm -hmm. my, my parents wanted their kids to have the best education uh, system in the country, which was Beverly Hills at the time. So uh, there was a Thrifties, which is a drugstore built in the 1920s. And, you know, it was you go in and you get, you know, everything from, you know, Band-Aids to candy. And in the back, they had a little counter, old-fashioned 1950s type of counter where you sit at a stool and you'd order hamburger and milkshake, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind this particular counter was a two-foot platform because all the employees that worked as waiters and waitresses and cooks were former Munchkin actors. Oh, did you the fuck not? And by the way, can I say fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to come out there with my language. <laughs> okay, so munchkin actors at the back of this pharmacy. That was the British version of the word, meaning dudes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Major. Um, uh, yeah. So to me, in the world that I grew up in, with parents who were involved in showbiz from 
before they came out to Hollywood, to growing up in this incubator of Beverly Hills where there was, you know, you go to your best friend's house and his parent would come in with milk and cookies and it was a movie star, uh, to seeing them movie stars shop at the pet store, to going to thrifties and being served munchkins, uh, being served by munchkins, being served munchkins, <laughs> um, to your to a kid sitting next to you in class who had to leave early to go star in in uh, in a TV series. I think it was Mickey Dolan's from Circus Boy. Who later was in the Monkees, but was the Monkees. But um, I'm saying when when I was told that when I was told in such a way that made me feel stupid, like you think you still think Santa exists. Um, which can have two meanings, like he existed, now he doesn't, but you still think that. Um, It devastated me. Yeah. Well, because it's like the first crack in that perfect world. Right. Right? So it's, yeah, man. And then, like, for some kids, in some families, they just don't do the Santa thing. You know? Like, it's just, it was just never I was raised. I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. We didn't have anything. I was but raised I as a Jew. We we celebrated Hanukkah and had a Christmas tree. I'm not kidding. Me too. Yeah, we, we did. A, my cousin always called us cashews because it was like Catholic plus Jew. What's cashew. the word? Uh, cashew, cashew, like the nut. Cashew. Cashew. Oh, that's yeah. Right. That's Catholic right. plus Jew. Cashew. That's that works. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Shout no, out to it's... Charlotte for that. <laughs> no, my my parents were always like, "Oh, if you want something, work hard, and you will get it for you." Okay, work hard. They got it for me. No big deal. Yeah. People were like, I mean, oh, there's Christmas. I'm like, I don't really care. It's just an opportunity for us to all stay at home and have dinner together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't naive. I, I knew that, you know, especially growing up in showbiz, where you know that it's yeah. all puppeteering and it's not magic. It's, it's yeah. uh, you know, it's illusion. And there was a magic shop that sold magic. And my brother, older brother, my older brother, who um, was a magician. I was his assistant and you know, we got bought these tricks and and you know, so it was kind of like I learned very early on about fooling people. Yeah. You know, and then of course, there's you know later you know flash forward several decades, and I went from being you know rich and having a home in London and New York and L.A. to couch surfing homeless. And there's the famous story of uh, that I had just when I was interviewed by Canvas magazine or whatever they're called dot com. I'm doing this to, this this is a fake cigarette on a holder. I'm trying to sure. I'm mocking those fake celebrities. Well when I was interviewed you know by Federico Fellini and asked me what I thought of hey, nah, well, this is what I said. Yeah. Um but um uh what was I talking about? When you were interviewed by canvas.com or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So all right so coming back from England, uh, I mean, I would always come back every few months, but having lost everything in England and come back, take care of my mother who was ill, I was in love with a woman uh, who wasn't my mother. How strange. And and there was this film about me and Jerry Lewis in London that was happening with, like, with an Oscar winning producer pushing it and all this crazy shit that was going down. Wait, what was um, the name of the movie? I eat people like you for breakfast. It hasn't been made yet, but uh, ah. there's, there's renewed interest. It's about what happened with Jerry Lewis and myself in London. So, um, which you may not know about. There's a whole, I can tell you two seconds and, or several hours. But anyway, <laughs> I started missing London. Yeah. And so I, I just started talking British. And I was having difficulty logically dealing with people because I was 
so I was so Britishized that I was polite. And this happened in New York. I, I was living in New York and I went to London. Came back five months later. I'm getting into a taxi cab and I didn't see that there was someone already in it getting out. And I went, oh, sorry. And, you know, not an, even in a British accent. I went, oh, sorry. And uh, guy gets out and goes, hey, what are you fucking sorry for? I should beat your head in, you know, that kind of thing. I'll show you sorry. Mm -hmm. Or when I'd say please for something, can I please have a cup of... Uh, no, in England, you say the word please at the end of the sentence. Um, so you're at the Starbucks. Uh, yes, uh, can I get a, uh, uh, a cafe, a grande latte, uh, uh, please? You say please at the end. Mm. Americans were taking that as being pushy or sarcastic. And I was, but I was in a very confused time. I couldn't understand how America worked. I, I had health care given me by the government in England. I no longer had health care here. Mm. Um, it took me a while to realize that people drive on the right side of the road, so be careful when you cross. It was all those things, but also just communicating in a British way that I wasn't even aware I was doing. So anyway, so I started this British character, and I'd go into Starbucks and go, excuse me, can you tell me where I might find the Starbucks Executive Lounge? <laughs> yeah. Starbucks Executive Lounge? Yes, for the million cup drinkers. So anyway, mm. so several years ago, here's the story, several years ago, I uh, I needed a place to stay. I was a place where I was staying for a few months. Stopped. I had no money, no income. I just uh, I don't even know if I had a car. I had a backpack, and uh, no, I did have a car. So I went. I I, I had like five dollars to my name, and I just had gotten into a system of people helping me and and me trying to get writing work when I could and. And, and it was a matter of really true survival of, you know, where am I going to stay? How am I going to do this? And and, yeah. and at the same time, you know, not just give up completely in life. So I was, it was about midnight. I went to the improv, to the lab, and I sat at the bar and I bought a Diet Coke with my $5. And um, the television's on and they're showing the Showtime documentary, The Comedy Store, where I'm from. And uh, there was this guy who was standing up shouting, yeah, see, it was Comedy Store comics who burnt down the improv. And I go, oh. So I didn't want to get into a confrontation. I didn't want to reveal myself as a comedy store guy. Yeah. So um, I said, excuse me, <clears throat> but when you say comedy store, do you mean the one in Piccadilly? Because it's moved to Leicester Square now. Because <laughs> there is a London comedy store. I played it, yeah. right? Yeah. And so he came over and he's like, um, no, 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 the comedy store, it's a comedy store here. And we sat down and we started talking about comedy and comparing British comedy with American comedy. And I pretended I knew nothing about American comedy. Oh. And he would say something like, for example, George Carlin. I went, George who? George Carlin. <laughs> you know. So <clears throat> we're chatting. We're having fun. We're laughing. He's a very smart guy. He's a writer. When the bar closes, he invites me to his place where a bunch of his friends are coming over to drink. So uh, I stayed in character the whole time. You know, and they're like, this is this is uh, my, my friend. Uh, uh, I don't know if you use my name or my character's name. Uh, but I think what you was your character's name? Nigel Arison. Oh, is, okay. Which is, which is okay. Nigel Arison, Nigel P. Arison, uh, capitalist, uh, crypto-capitalist and uh, paranormalist and theater critical yeah. from the London Fog who <laughs> perished in a horrific biplane accident just outside of Dusseldorf in 1939. Yes. Um, that was my character. 
and he's got red hair and a mustache, and his voice. Well, he's him. not. No, he's not Scottish. No offense, he's not Scottish. No, he's no, doing he's very proper. Randall Thornberry from the Wild Thornberries. Oh, I see. I'm yeah. an illiterate. Is that what you're saying? Here's what happened. The punchline is generations. I, I partied with these people, and then um, everyone left. And he asked me, you know, I was like, well, I should be calling my uh, chauffeur to pick me up. Uh, no, you want to just crash it? All right, maybe can I? Okay. Next morning, the place was a mess. He was asleep. I cleaned it up. I made breakfast. I brought it to him. And I went, um, uh, Barry, I've, um, I took the liberty of making breakfast. Please wake up if you're hungry. And then for the next two weeks, three weeks, I stayed in character, cleaned his place, fed him, talked with him, advised him. And, of course, when the phone would ring, I, you know, uh, yes, Barry. No, no, Barry. Hang on one second. Yeah, hey, what's up? You know, oh, I mean, um, may I ring you later? Um, so <laughs> one day, well, I couldn't take it anymore. And one day I just, I set him down and I said, I got some news to tell you. And I revealed who I was and we had a big laugh. But you look, Atlas, are you are you okay? I lost I'm fine. Why? What you look? Wild story. Yeah, Thank no, it's, it's insane. It, it's, yeah. It's off subject. But it's it's insane, but it's what I did to survive. Let's go back to the subject. Your show, I've taken over. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, are you kidding me? I, that you be, you're like, uh, I just became a guy's butler because I spoke British and we were just hanging out. So <laughs> like, that is that. Why not? I mean, I'm, I'm also, too, who doesn't want a butler? You're like, well, I got a British one. You're like, well, I, you're I think coolest. because we're talking about Santa Claus and it's all about pretending. And, um, if there's pretending, there's two types of pretending the way I see it. It's like, you know you're pretending. You're going to a masquerade party. You're going to a mm -hmm. Halloween party. You're putting on Frankenstein makeup and you're walking around going, where's the Doritos, you know? But <laughs> there's yeah. the other kind of pretending, which I think is a fucking psychosis out there in the world, which is that you're pretending, but you don't know you're pretending. Oh, no question with that, yeah. I think that's that's one of the biggest things, especially now, where people just lack identity at all and they're like oh well i do this right. for work and you're like that's not a right. thing that's that's yeah. that's not a person that's a job and they're like well I'll, then now i'm gay and you're like that's also a sexuality still not a personality let's just try and, it's like know. this is Good why it's point. important yeah. when getting people getting to know people to not ask what do you do to ask them what do you like to do yeah. and most of the time well, you that sounds like a sexual invitation i'm not joking a hundred percent yeah, and Alice also does just like a little, hey, so what do you like? <laughs> what, do you, to do? what do you like to do? Yeah. But I hear you. No, I hear you, Alice, because you're a friendly guy and an open guy. And that's why I'm on your show. I think, by the way, I, you know, I got to tell you, and I've written and complained about this. And it's, it's just, I tend to remember the worst examples of some experience. And that becomes the, yeah. the, you know, the banner for it. And I, I, uh, so when someone really nice and professional and, and intelligent, you know, introduces themselves to me and invites me to be on their show. I'm very, I'm, I'm very, not just flatter. It's not about my ego. I'm, it, it's reaff it's reaffirming. So thank you no, for having me. Yeah. Here. You're By the way, hilarious. I need a couch for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> my couch is not like we're roughly. How tall are you? I, I don't think I ever saw you standing up. We were all, we were sitting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I a couple of years ago, I was five ten. Now I think I'm below four feet. <laughs> okay, so you might fit them because, like, my no, couch is too short for me. I gotta do Listen, this I figured out how to sleep on all kinds of couches. Yeah, and I'm telling you, couches are a great place to sleep. I don't need a bed. 
I like couches. You ever sleep on a couch? Absolutely. Are yes. you kidding me? Right. I, I I have made Katie mad several times and uh, have had to sleep on the couch. Oh, I use oh. the c word, and your wife watches the show. I'm so sorry, Katie. Well, she's not. Oh no, she know? doesn't watch the show. No, my oh, wife okay. is watching, and she's like, "You tell him." <laughs> yeah. No, Victoria does. Katie doesn't. Um, and then like so recently, I got one of those like Japanese fold-up futons that like yeah. Yeah, yeah and do that instead of the couch. So much better. Um, yeah, I mean, you tell them, you tell them. I had an Uber passenger a few weeks ago who, you know, we get in conversation and uh, uh, he sells. I took him up to like a very rich area of the hills, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like, what do, you, what do you do? What do you do? You know, it's it sort of like, what do you so what do you do? I told him about my comedy, yeah. and, you know, so you know, and uh, he sells beds, so I thought. Okay, he's got a big warehouse. No, he sells beds <clears throat> made of horse hair. Yeah. Oh, uh, that I've start. That. that start. Get this at a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Insane. And I said, why would anyone pay a hundred thousand dollars for a mattress? And he says, you know, because sleep is one third of your life, and it vastly affects the rest of the two thirds. Like, yeah, but wow, hundred thousand dollars. He's not wrong, but also fuck that guy. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> and he didn't fucking tip. I'll tell you that. That pissed oh, me. what a piece of fuck shit! Yeah. yeah. Also, you know him. That's that's the problem. Like, listen, we need a better quality of rich person. Okay. There was a time in this in these countries where it's like, no, no, no. The rich gave. You know why? Because that's how they stayed rich by knowing that they would share their wealth. And now they're all no, holding that's back. Not. Rich people used to give because they knew, like, okay. In the Gilded Age, you had rich people having their factory workers getting fingers cut off and having rat shit in the meat and all that stuff. And then people like Upton Sinclair and all of like all of the like left wing uh, organizing and things like that scared them enough to where they're like, okay, 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 we'll do just enough to where you won't kill us. And then enough time to way, sir. Yeah, enough time has passed where people forget, and then they're starting to be shitty again, and we're back in like a second Gilded Age. Well, I think I think part I think part of that is I mean, of course, you know, I lived in England where there still is a great uh, class divide. Hmm, um, yeah. You know, there's royalty, you know, mm-hmm. and um, uh, but you know, I think that I think what I'm what I'm realizing, and maybe and maybe you guys. I would like to hear what you guys think of this, obviously, you know, I'm talking here, um, is that with the exception of the Rockefellers or the Vanderbilts, yes, who basically, it was a business based on inherited wealth. Yeah. Um, and at, at a time when there was no income tax, so they could build those incredible Gatsby-like mansions with no yeah. income tax, no labor laws, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, um, uh, but for the most part, it seemed at the turn of the century, i.e. the 1900s, the early, 1900, um, that people were able to build themselves up from the ground up. They could be working in a gold mine as with a guy with a pick, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, be making pittance. And then, you know, they somehow get around restrictions and they decide to go out on their own and they become prospectors and they find money or they invent something. Yeah. They, they come up with some kind of, medicinal cure or or something like you know listerine or um 
or they, they start a food business or something. There was a time in this country when we were growing from cottage little businesses that could grow. Mm-hmm. And so they had to work their way up slowly. They saw every part of the business building um, story, you know, yeah. from working to raising a little money to doing a corner store that ran for 20 years and then expanding it. And I think in today's gilded age, it's 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 overnight billionaires yeah. who both of them are have pirated, both of them being Zuckerberg and Musk, pirated yeah. other businesses by purchasing them and yeah. or, or mimicking them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, we live in it, we live in a get rich overnight. And so I think, so the class devices, yeah. so people who become very wealthy overnight, literally, um, I, I don't, I, for some reason, they can't remember yesterday when they couldn't afford a grande latte at Starbucks. Yeah. Well, so in the case of Musk, his dad owned an apartheid, emerald mine it wasn't yeah, get rich yeah. overnight it was just he was I rich right. and then he wish was right. visibly rich and that's versus right. invisibly rich that's right yeah. look but that's ha- there's a whole the celebrity the rich world. i'm sorry go on Dina. Yeah. yeah but there's a there's a whole section of the world that doesn't have to tell you they don't disclose their wealth right there are numerous countries and nations and families that just have unlimited wealth at this point where they could do whatever they want right yeah so it's a matter of them keeping that control over like look we all we've all heard the statement, the idea that that hard times make hard men, and hard men make it for easy times, and easy times make for, you know, soft men, and then we're back in that cycle. It's the same sense where it's like, listen, you can make wealth, but like, look, when my dad made his own business and he raised five kids, we would shut down and go to Europe for two months in the year. As a machinist, that wasn't a thing that you could do, right? You had to have a little more knowledge, a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, a discernment and and drive to go those to those extra lengths. But you could do it. But then, as of like early mid two thousands, now it's oh, I invest in this weird thing that no one ever heard of, and suddenly I'm worth a million dollars. And you're like, number one, you might be able to buy a place because you got a million dollars, <laughs> but no car, no parking spot. You know? Yeah. So it's it's none of it makes any sense, right? And now it's just people are like, oh, I have to be famous immediately. You're like, okay, go fuck yourself, whatever. Be famous. That doesn't make you happy. That's for sure. Well, I mean, but that's the other, that goes back to something that I've been thinking about for a long time here in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and uh, which is why, well, didn't we talk about this at the top of the show, about or before yeah. the show, or which was. The only reason I want to be famous, yeah. You, you know, you and I talked about this before, we yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, you know, and, great. you know, my my only desire to be famous, er, in other words, I don't think there's an absolute. You sure? Every, yeah. You know, there's there's it, you don't just click over into fame. I think everyone's these days anyway, kind of famous at some low level, and I'm just yeah. at that level myself. You know, maybe a little bit above in certain areas, but not really. Um, but so the the reason that everyone, whether you're in showbiz or not, yeah. you want your product to be famous, you want yourself to be famous. Yeah. I'm my product. Yeah. As an actor, mm-hmm. as a comedian, as a writer, my writing is my product. As a, a film director, my films are my product. But still, it's kind of like the personality goes with it. Like uh, mm-hmm. with Quentin Tarantino, for example, who I spent a decent hour with at the comedy store uh, this year, which was really cool. Um, But uh, 
we are the product these days. Yeah. And so why wouldn't we want that kind of fame? So what is the proper word? It's not really fame. Fame is like I see someone walking down the red carpet and the camera's going crazy and you can have your autograph and that kind of thing. But that's not, I don't want that. I've been to the Oscars. I've walked down a red carpet. I've signed autographs when I was on the road as a comedian in England. I've been interviewed. Uh, you know, I have some great stories that people want to hear. Yeah, for sure. But I don't, I, 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 this fame thing doesn't frighten me. I just don't, I don't think it really, I think, you know what, I, I, here's what I'm going to say. I think fame exists for untalented people. Whoa. Oh, 100%, though. Just ruined my that's, yeah, no, that's, yeah. Oh, no, Santa Claus included. No, uh, <laughs> Santa, Claus is, <laughs> Santa Claus is very talented. <laughs> Been living off other people's uh, yeah. straps. No. You know, his agent yeah. is one of the elves. Yeah, he, he, he's living off. Uh, uh, yeah, book my client. He yeah. only gets to work once a year. Yeah, he's he's living off uh, Coca-Cola and uh, Heat and Snow Miser's uh, coattails for... How much you want to bet that if that was the scenario that, like, Santa would have a hit out on those polar bears? He's like, no. It's Coke's my baby. Santa don't Santa just get the fuck boss. out of here. Hundred percent of all of all of the holidays, Santa's the mob boss. Like he's yeah, yeah he's in charge. I know for a fact that the whole elf on the shelf thing is not was not a, a thing with your guys's generation, right? Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. We could we would have tortured the elf. Bro. Yeah, exactly. Also, yeah, the elves, yeah like, and it, it wasn't a thing for me. But all of a sudden, like I'm seeing all these like memes or Katie, my my fiance Steve, who's a kindergarten teacher. Uh, like elf on the shelf is, is just that like, how you met what like teaching but you're marrying or? a kindergarten teacher so is that how you met meaning you were a kid and she's no no <laughs> stupid um stupid i apologize no, it's okay although she did inspire me to become a teacher so she's roped me into it oh um, that's a good thing i wanted to be one god bless her uh, I, I bless your marriage thank you but we're talking um, my, my point about the yeah. thing yeah, sorry. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Because this is so important to me. I want to get this right. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that there's this, there's the way I see fame ever coming to me would be just be to benefit me business wise, give me more opportunities yeah. and, and, and money, you know, and, and creative yeah. opportunities and that kind of thing. And yes, there'll be other things like, uh, oh, I'd get to hang out with more, you know, with more people that interest me that I couldn't have access to, that kind of thing. Yeah. But people who think of fame generally think of it as some sort of narcissistic uh, pretense that, yeah. you know, that someone wears sunglasses and they come out of a hotel and the paparazzi's shooting them, you know, whether it's uh, 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 Billie Eilish, you know, yeah. or... Or Justin Bieber, you know, they camped out at his house and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, 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 that kind of is weird to me still. For sure. Oh, no, absolutely. Am I, am I, do you understand what I'm saying? The difference? Yeah, between yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's the difference is that if you are skilled at something, you will be famous. But people want to no, be famous just, no, no, no. But I'm saying is that that's how things used to be. If you were great, no. people would hear about you. You'd find, like, eventually yeah. that would come through. But now you can just organize and, oh, tell the paparazzi that this person is leaving the hotel. Suddenly there are pictures of them leaving the hotel. And you're going, 
who cares that why does that why is that a ma- the, well but the, it's it doesn't happen to the real creative people like robert no. crumb you know the great underground zap comic you know uh yeah. artist cartoonist you know that everyone mm-hmm. loves or you know uh you know some blues artist or some jazz artist or some, you know the coolest comics the ones that the comics comics yeah you know they don't have that and yet they should Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, because those are the interesting people. And, when and to, I, when I, you know, to, to add on top of that, the the comics that are comics and actors and stuff that become famous from doing something that took a lot of effort, like you know, for the the, the easy example is Bill Burr, right? Like early Hang Bill on Burr. One second, there's someone at my door. Bill okay. Burr, keep Bill talking. Burr. Right back. Yeah. I apologize. Right. It's okay. okay. So like for Bill, early Bill Burr, he he like t- did all like he had all this talent. He, you know, made his name. And then as time went on and he was awash in the amniotic fluid that is fame, he becomes more disconnected from the world around him. And that yeah. that ability, that uh, that creative force drains away. And then yep. you just become, I'm famous because I'm Bill Burr, not because I did this thing. I don't know if that's for no, her. not no. Like there are other. I, people I was like just that. Do, like doing that as an example, but it's it's the same thing. Like you just start drinking your own Kool Aid, right? Like yeah. it's the same thing where like The Rock, people were like, "Oh man, you know, just going out there and doing his thing and everything." And now people are like, "I think he thinks a little too highly of himself." This is mm-hmm. insane, right? And now you're going, "Hey man," he's like, "I'm you get clean. more and you're more like, disconnected from the world around you." Well, I apologize. Like, Bill Burr was the last no. thing you said. Okay, oh, so, sorry. It was a horrible example, Steve. Shut up. No, I, it, it was a perfect example because well, well, no, Pete, he's famous because us comics approved him first, right? For sure. Yeah. Or, or like <laughs> musicians, right? Their first album is mm-hmm. a banger. They have their right. sophomore slump. And then everyone after that is either they either find a way to keep it, you know, creative, like because they do experimental things with whatever, or they become more and more poppy as time goes on. And they get yeah. more and more mainstream success, and then just the creativity is drained out of them. Yeah, there's well, and that's yeah. and look at and that's yeah. the the hard like part. Like Santa, about it. no. <laughs> <laughs> Santa's running on his last legs this time. Yeah. No, yeah. it's uh, uh, why not Mrs. Santa? Why isn't she delivering yeah. everything? Okay. Yeah, Elf right. on the Shelf. What kind of shit is that? <laughs> why, why? Yeah, why don't we see uh, yeah. Mrs. Claus? You know, on uh, yeah. you know the uh, some interview show about you know how abusive Santa's been. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're talking about fame and yeah. uh, I think, whatever I we're think... talking about. I, I just, you know, I, I, oh shit. Hello, 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 hello. Yeah. Wait, yeah. oh, there I am. You know, I, it's weird because I've been on both sides of it in heavy ways. Yeah. I've been a comedian for, you know, on and off, which means I don't work every day, uh, for 42 years coming up. Uh, it's going to be 43 next year. And then I've been producing shows and being talent coordinators, uh, coordinator for uh, comedy festivals in Ireland. And then I produced and created my big shows at the London Palladium and got got it on television, brought over Americans and put them mixed in with Brits and got it on television. And I love producing. So I've been on both sides yeah. of stuff. And um, I think that it, it's, it's, it's a weird paradigm. It's a weird paradigm when you're a comedian trying to promote yourself, yeah, or your product. It, you automatically are in a deficit. You already are up, up to your neck 
in a hole of incredulity. You know, you're promoting sure. yourself. You think you're funny, and 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 there's no one promoting you. And we this I think is because we you know unlike England, uh, in it, it, it's so much more. America is an advertising culture. So when you see that the at the American Association of Retired Persons is supporting supporting the Rolling Stones tour, that that goes more to making AR double uh, ARP look more credible. <laughs> it's not the other way around. Yeah. If if I suddenly uh, started doing comedy gigs sponsored by Coca Cola, people would think I must be good for Coca Cola to put that money in. Yeah, for sure. As an unknown comic, and you know, I have to restart myself. Now, some people, oh, I've heard of you, but that rarely happens. Yeah. So I got to repitch myself. Hi, I'm Steve Miller here in Conf LA, Comedy Store, blah, 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 you know, Comedy Central, Conan, blah, 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 blah. Send you a tape, okay. I'm going to send you a link. Never hear from them, right? Yeah. But when I produced these shows, I had it just like overnight, a reversal. Where I had every single Hollywood agency and manager sending me tapes as how far back it goes, uh, calling me, emailing me, meeting me, shaking my hand, saying, "Want to be on, the, on this show? They want to get their client on my show." Yeah. And uh, I dealt with all kinds of people that were their managers, and I dealt with the comics. And what I saw for the most part, was professional and nice and kind and decent. But there were at least six examples in one year of production on one show where I saw ugliness. From the comics, few comics. Yeah. One one comic on this show, two comics on that show. Who bamboozled me, who pushed me, who gave me a hard time, who lied to me. Who, you know, it wasn't just Jerry Lewis. It was other comics. Yeah, you know, and it and, and their managers, and I started to see because the irony was that back in the 80s, you know, although I was regular at the comedy store, I you know, at the improv, there was a bit of a problem me getting in, and I was pushy, yeah, because I was a salesman and because I thought being funny all the time meant you know, being funny all the time. I burnt bridges with some people, I told some agents, I hung up on some agents because they weren't fast enough. I was sort of a dick uh, yeah. without realizing it. And then later when I became the producer and I, and I saw this kind of behavior, I understood I, I have more empathy yeah. for people I'm trying to sell something to. And I've learned a lot, you know, and, and I still, to this day, people, younger comics come to me, younger than me, come to me and they want to know about England. And, and that's a whole discussion. You know, it's an hour and a half just to mm -hmm. talk, culturally and business-wise, how to make it work and how I can help them. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I, th I think it's just this, th going back to this fame thing, which Santa's, I don't know how the hell he got it, but when he got that <laughs> Coca-Cola deal in 1908 or whenever it was, yeah. Atlas, do you know when Santa signed with Coke? Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Like right around the World War One. huh? Who owns, who owns the scent? Is it a public domain? I don't think uh, so. I assume so. I mean, there's a real St. Nicholas. Um, yeah, but he, yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, 1931 was when yeah. Coke commissioned that image. Of really? Like the, so the who owned it? Who, who got the commission? 
contract. Uh, who who did Santa um, belong to? Okay, well, so it's got to be close, but I don't think you can enforce it, right? Coca-Cola commission illustrator Haddon Sundblum to paint Santa for Christmas advertisements. Those paintings established Santa as a warm, happy character with human features, including rosy cheeks, a white beard, twinkling eyes, and laughter lines. Um, Sundblum drew inspiration from an 1822 poem by Clement Clark Moore titled A Visit from St. Nicholas. Twas the night before Christmas? Twas the night before Christmas, yeah. Um, so. Right, but I mean, it still don't, doesn't say how Coca-Cola, who they paid, if something's public domain. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's um, just, the, it's, it's the equivalent of like, it's a religious figure, kind of, right? Like, paganistic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's not who there's nobody who owns the rights to like Zeus. Well, like, what, what are you going to do? Are, if you enforce that contract, you're a dick, right? I guess. Well, so, what's to stop? But... Uh, what's to stop Fanta or, uh, you know, uh, Snapple from using Santa? Coca Cola would have a contract over them and say, you know, you can't use I Santa. I guess so. Maybe it's that depiction of Santa. Or yeah, like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but rights rights are always very very interesting. Um, I'm sorry. Right now, I'm just thinking of there should be a Santa Fanta, which is like a Christmas flavor of Fanta. Let's and he's like, but he's also I'm like, I'm Santa that. Fanta. No, he's gonna, gonna have, have like Fanta outrageous that. colors and polka dots and things, things yeah. like that. Wanna, just... wanna, don't you wanna Santa Fanta? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is. There is. And he'll talk funny, Santa right? He'll be like, I am Santa Fanta. Mm. Oh, right, because it, it was the Nazi <laughs> soda, right? Obviously, right? yeah, yeah, because yeah. like they, they lost the like, bro. If you try Fanta in Europe yeah. and then try and drink Fanta in the United States or Canada, you go, What in the hell did I just drink? Oh, it's yeah. like European, it's the corn, oh, oh, it's actually fantastic. Whereas here, uh, you're like, Oh, this is just poison, yeah. I'm just yeah. no, that. That's why I'm a big fan of the Mexican Cokes, where it's the glass bottle with the with the cane sugar. Bro, yeah. anything in a glass bottle, you're yeah. like, immediately 10 times better, right? You know, yeah. the old Coca-Cola bottles and glass were uh, green. Green yeah. glass. I think yeah. it has something to do with, so when they're sitting outside the, the gas station, get in the sun in the desert, the yeah. green somehow keeps it from uh, going bad or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Like, it filters out whatever... Yeah. Same thing, thing with beer. Beer? That's why beer bottles are dark, too. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So does Santa drink beer? I feel like he'd be like 24-7, like eggnog or whiskey. Just that's it. Like he doesn't. Oh, I forgot to tell you this, Dino. Okay. So um, on Christmas Eve, uh, I went to Katie's parents' house and her brother and his family came. Uh, I had asked the brother if he would make... Because apparently he makes really good eggnog, but most of the family doesn't like it. So like me asking for it was a big deal. So he he comes in with the eggnog, and I'm of the knowledge that the family doesn't like it for the most part. So I'm like, oh, you know, giant pitcher. I had three glasses, and it was like those, you know, the wine glasses that do this? Yeah. The, they're like really fat bottom, but no stem, just the, yeah. the glass. Yeah. I had three of those of eggnog, and that was like, three quarters of the pitcher and now i'm the eggnog guy in because <laughs> i drank all the eggnog <laughs> like that's, that's the, the new guy. running joke is the hanging out with santa the fanta yeah. the santa the Fanta. you got it yeah. yeah that's yeah that's, that's the episode that. title it has to be um but yeah so like i because like i 
My family hates eggnog too. I'm the only person who likes it. I love but eggnog. Eggnog's great. It's like white people horchata. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> yes. Tell me I'm wrong, Tino. <laughs> I can't. I can't. You know. By the way, I went to a uh, Mexican one of those food trucks and uh, yeah. got a burrito, and I you can tell the jokes coming out. And I said, uh, uh, "What do you have to drink? What do you offer to drink?" And she said, uh, "We've got uh, tamarind, uh, jacinto, mm-hmm. uh, orchata." And I said, "I'll have the chata." This is or chata. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't. I got it. Oh, I because <laughs> it because it looked like you you had something like, else. You're like you know, very you were like leaning to get something off the floor or something. Like I, I didn't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Look at my. Okay. Phone. All right, carry on with the interview or the discussion. Nothing. I'm just I'm just the eggnog guy now because. Okay, so Dino's the Santa Fanta guy. You're the eggnog guy. What am I? I don't have one of those things. What am I? Just give me a label. Give me a role. Um, the guy that never stops. It's fantastic. Yeah. London guy. Uh, London guy. Softballs to you. She yeah. hit all the home run. Over Nigel. The You're Nigel. Nigel, yes. Yeah. Yes, Come excuse on. me. No, I... You know where I got this from initially when I was in London and I... Uh, had a little scooter, get around town, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, it got stopped by the police. And, you know, some bobbing. Like, Excuse me, sir. Come on over here. Yeah. You were going too fast. And what's what's wrong? Well, you, you failed to stop at the stop sign. I, you know, let me see your driving, driving license. So I said, well, I, you know, I have a California driving li- driver's license. And uh, as soon as I did that, he let me go. Because they don't want to deal with the paperwork. Ah, oh. okay. That's hey, that happens the same in Greece. Whenever I go uh, uh, to Greece with my wife, uh, I'm like, I can speak Greek and read and write, speak, it's no problem. But I'm like, as soon as police pull me over, I'm like, hi, I'm Dino from Canada. What can I do for you? And they're just like, oh, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I'm like, is yeah. there an issue? Is there something I can yeah. help with? You know, I'm, I'm telling you, it can get you out of trouble. You know, the other oh. thing, you know, like when I was in San Francisco, I was waiting for the bus and uh, I flicked a joint or a cigarette into the street. And it was raining, you know, went into the drain, yeah. and the cop pulls over and goes, Hey, you know, that uh, that cigarette ends up in my uh, in my coffee in the morning, buddy. And you know, I didn't want to deal with it, so you know, so I said, um, Oh, I'm terribly sorry, I don't know the rules of this country. You know what? It'll work though, that, that, that definitely works. I just <laughs> love like you pay you playing up the Canadianness, right? Oh, yeah. where, where it's like. Sorry, eh? I, I I've never been to Greece. I yeah, uh, I don't know. This what's is my going first on time here. with the wife, and we're just going yeah. around. <laughs> English, I know. I, I tried to English re- what you say. Oh. You know that that one. I'll uh, do that here, cool. where I'm like, I am uh, sorry, I am Greek. I don't understand. Yeah, you must speak uh, very sophisticated because the Greeks we made the language. You understand? We cannot know with these I weird words. Yeah. One of my favorite humans in the entire time I've been alive so far is this guy uh, from, he wasn't from Greece, but he, I think he was from uh, not, what's a nearby country that, uh, island country, but anyway. Malta? Um, huh? Malta? Cypriot? 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 Cypriot. Cyprus. Cyprus. Yeah, Cyprus. He was from Cyprus, and he ran yeah. a uh, uh, a really cool restaurant in uh, London I used to go to. Um a lot right and uh, he was he was you know very much a he'd come by everything good you enjoy the, your dinners and uh, 
if someone complained and said, yeah, the, uh, yeah, so this lamb is a little bit uh, undercooked. Could you please, you know, heat it up a bit, you know? Uh, or, or someone would not say something really nasty, like, you know, I don't really like this you know, this thing, and, you know, I'm never right. coming back. And then he would say, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. All right, Atlas, come on. Take take well, charge here, man. What can I say? Let's so play a video you're game. Welcome. Play a video game. What the fuck? Let's do something. Oh, yeah. No, Is he get, are you getting bored? No, I'm having a great time. No, okay. I'm bored. I, I'm never bored. No, I mean, no. It, it just kind of goes where it goes. I mean, like, okay, so Elf on the Shelf wasn't really a thing I'm not until, until recently for whatever reason. Like, yes. um, I'll see a lot of, like, especially because of the way our Big Brother devices work, where uh, if Katie brings up something about the kids, I'll start seeing ads about it. On my phone, yeah. that freaks me out. Yeah, but like, the, the, like I'm starting to see on like, on like my YouTube shorts or TikTok where it's jokes about like when you when the kids have woken up before you and you haven't moved the elf yet. I'm like, this is a like it's enough of a thing where it's, there's yeah. memes about it. it yeah, there's memes about the memes. Yeah, and like I just I, I I'm definitely not gonna do it with my kids. My my like Santa thing that my parents did because this was like. When I was growing up, MapQuest was just starting to become a thing, right? And like the, the Google Maps and that oh, sort of thing. So around that time, there were, I forgot what the name of the website was, but you could look up where Santa was in the world. Right. The, on really? like Christmas Eve. So you look it up and there's a little tracker on a globe oh, and it's yeah. like, oh, he's in yeah. 10 years right now or where the <laughs> fuck. Like, Absolutely yeah. ridiculous, but yeah. Yeah, but I think that's cool. That That like helps, you know, keep the legend going. When the kids are like Katie's nephews are six and eight right now, so we're still doing the the Santa oh. stuff. Um, Look, there's there's nothing wrong with giving children that idea of Santa and everything, right? Like even the way I was raised was like Santa is not that's not a real thing. Like mm -hmm. people just use it to keep control of their kids because their children are bad children. Why? Because they don't listen to God. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's a very simple. Yeah, okay? but don't you think? Don't you think we're heading in this direction of? getting to a child's truth as early as possible, like with the whole gen transgender controversy oh, yeah. where, you know, a kid, it's okay for a kid who's, mm -hmm. you know, in grade school to think about this stuff. I'm not saying yes or no to it. I'm just saying that we're heading towards yeah. younger and younger realization for children. Is that a good thing in general? Or it's just like more, more of a being comfortable of expressing those traits before they get stamped out of you. Like I remember wanting to get my nails painted when I was a kid because my sister was doing it. And then I got made fun of at school and then I didn't do it anymore. And like yeah. now it's yeah. less of a thing. Yeah, no, we don't yeah, exactly. But I mean the thing is is that what are we ultimately extinguishing in children when we foist reality on them? Uh I mean any any chance they have of being their own person. Oh, Wonderment. Uh, no, because as soon as you burden them with your problems, they become your person. Oh, I don't mean that. Right? I mean, although that does include what I'm saying is the way that one of the you know the way the world works. Right. You know. You know. Good night, little Timmy. Gee, mommy, I hope Santa brings me a bicycle this Christmas. You know, the kid knows he's going. I know you're Santa. Get daddy to write the sure. check. Um, but the kid also believes it, and the mother would say. Well, if you're a good boy, maybe Sammy uh, Santa will bring it to you. Um, so, so is that speaking in code? 
Is that kind the of? mother, you know, or, or, or is it, is it hurting the child's development to, to believe in fantasies? And I'll tell you something, my answer to my own question <laughs> on that <laughs> level, and I really want to hear what you guys say, is that it helps when you become, because then when you become an adult and you want to start a business, that's a fantasy. When you want to write a novel, sure. that's a fantasy. So it's about fantasy for children. Is that helpful in their imagination development or is it harmful in their emotional acceptance of reality of the world? Damn good question. It's a damn good, damn question, good question indeed. Thank you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, yeah, I'll tackle that one. In all honesty, I think that's a fine line between their development, right? Because the idea of knowing that the sky is the limit with their creativity is a pivotal point as a child, right? So the sooner that gets locked down, like wherever you max out in that world of creativity, and then you get hit with the world being a shithole that it is, right? That you're always going to be, that's going to be around your max. You may go a little higher, but in general, that's your max, right? So the more imaginative you allow someone to be in their youth without affecting them with real world dog shit problems, right? That, that limit is ever increasing. But the problem is it's kind of like that, that uh, uh, mountaineer, the mountain hiker in like, uh, 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 please tell me you're not thinking of the prices, right? Yeah. I'm thinking of the prices, right? Where it's like, you, don't, you don't know. You don't know when their imagination goes so far, they go over yeah. the edge. Mm -hmm. right like that's that's really that weird thing where you're going like the more imaginative you allow someone to be in their youth lets them know how far they can go but at the same time now you're at a risk of them just becoming some sort of yabo who has no idea what's up and down right because let's be honest it that's a great place to live too like don't get me wrong you're like yeah i don't i'm outside of reality and i am not a real person anymore <laughs> merry christmas mm -hmm. happy easter <laughs> yeah no, i think that 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 kind of starts to begin to answer it. Uh, Atlas, what do you think about this? Um, so I think that piggybacking off Dino's thing with like imagination being important, especially as a child uh, where you, you want to foster that, like whether it's bathing your children in the mythos of Santa um, or it's just encouraging them to draw and come up with new things on their yeah. own. Like I, my mom was really good about like, this is really cool. I'm putting this either on the fridge or on the, or like on your bedroom wall or something. Even if I didn't think it was especially good. Like when I was eight, I got on this bender of drawing, like I called them mythical myth mixtures, where they were like chimeras of two different animals. Sure. And one is that I did with, shut up. One, one of them that I did was uh, a griffin and a sphinx called the Grinks. And she still has that on her living room wall. Sure. 20 plus years later mm -hmm. and i i think that her doing that sort of thing and increasing the mountain climber uh imagination up to a point right like the santa thing you don't keep it going when they're 15 well, you let it go until it's run its course around like 11 12 13 years of age usually around the time people are going through puberty but yeah. if you give children their uh ability to uh, you know, enjoy their imagination and to be themselves before their body catches on fire along right. with the world smacking them in the face at the same time. Wow. Uh, it allows them to, you know, have the tools to be self-assured so, in the real world. 
this is this is my real question and this is i want even for you to chime in on this was like that idea like nobody wants their kid to be the smelly kid or the weirdo kid right Mm -hmm. but you know as an adult that you're like listen if they have a little bit of weirdo that's a good thing yeah you need a little bit of weird you need a little bit of weirdo you don't want me to be them to be the weirdo kid because that kid has problems right but you're like and that's the thing is you don't know the only judge you have is how good of a parent you're being so if you think you're being a good parent and you see them do weird shit you're going i think we're still okay it's okay but at some point you're gonna go hey that's a lot weirder than i was what the fuck are you doing kid right like and then maybe you're stomping them out but you don't know what like that's that well you see there's a dynamic there that's very interesting because my uh my 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 uh, both my mother and father who grew up in extreme poverty during the depression in Brooklyn pre World War II and then went to World War II. Um, my father did. Um, you know, once my father, once post World War II, and these uh, uh, soldier uh, military support programs for housing, and my father got had a great degree and got work out here. Um, they wanted us. They always said they wanted us to have a better life than they did financially and and a safer neighborhood for sure um right and um so i think it always builds on the previous or it rebels it either rebels yeah. or it builds upon it never seems to ignore um and i think even even to this day no matter how old you get blowing out candles on a birthday cake is a wish and 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 the concept of wishing is is magical thinking, or yeah, exactly. yeah. it actually has practical <laughs> effects, like praying. Yeah. And and, and uh, but wishing is, is on its own; it's separate. It seems to be washed of any religion. Just it seems to be, you know, whether it's a someone crawling in the desert for for, for shelter, food, water, or whether it's someone you know hoping to fall in love in the next two weeks or get a get a better job or something you know, it's a yeah. hope it's a dream and um i think it's healthy and it's it, it, i guess what i was going to say was before i just remembered this put a button on it for me here is yeah. it's one of the things i loved about england i still do is that in general they cherish childhood there yeah um they 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 realize that you know keeping children safe and keeping them educated and keeping a certain amount of fantasy in the culture and fun and sense of humor and sense of history sense of survival makes all for the better when that person becomes an adult and you know america is a traumatized country i grew up every single morning right before the pledge of allegiance um we'd have to do drills to hide under our desk for earthquakes or nuclear war yeah this this was every day you're taught and reinforced that Russia may bomb America at any point, and we'd only get about a 30-second warning yeah. every single morning. And I'm not saying, oh, those were tough times. I'm just saying it made us... Yeah, it's a it different perspective. Oh, it, yeah. yeah, it did something to us that made oh, us maybe place. live in the moment. Maybe, I was, you know, maybe that's why the 60s were so vibrant, aside from everything going from black and white television to color from mono to stereo, yeah. uh, from earthbound to moon landing, aside from all that, yeah. um, was was this sense that we may die at any minute. And the only thing that's come close to it is was uh, recent COVID. But yeah, I yeah. think 
ultimately, I think fantasy is important for children and adults. I think the only question is whether you recognize it as fantasy or not. And I think, finally, I think is that the, the difference between the two, recognizing if it's fantasy or not, I think is the beginning of a lot of mental illness in this country. Oh, 100%. That's it. And you know, that, that gets down to the real fact <coughs> like, Hey, you do need to figure this out with your kid. Cause the right time will be the right time, right? You'll know it with your child, but also don't going around stamping on other people, people's imagination. You don't know how far they'll go. So don't screw with them. You bastards. Yeah. They could be Moana. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't right. know. No, you don't know. And yeah, she doesn't know how far she'll go. And, and going back. Well, I, we've heard. Going back to the original subject about Santa, it does Santa. In, I'm just asking you directly here. Yeah. Um, it does Santa represent the the tooth fairy, basically, the genie in the bottle, like a super like the, like radioactive. Well, no, it's fairy, like a right? kid. Like it's, yeah. A kid wants something. Whether I mean, when I was a kid, sure. you know what I wanted? It's going to be like this is going to be violins. But I, as a kid, asked Santa for my parents to stop fighting and and live together. That was mm -hmm. that was my dream. That was 100%. my wish to Santa. Okay, yeah. and he shows up with a bottle of whiskey and takes a swig. Do you think Mrs. Claus is easy? But, um, <laughs> See, I had the opposite problem where my parents divorced after that, so they were just splitting up, and I couldn't even be like Santa. Can you please? I'm like, nope, this just fucking sucks. I'm going through puberty. Yeah, <laughs> deal with it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm out of here. I'll be down at the bar. <laughs> but but is Santa, does Santa represent yeah. giving us something that we should? be working for or that is it a good thing to to ask for help from a magical being is that a good thing is does it, it, it is if there is a magical being if there is yeah. praying for good luck if there is hoping for something that you want is that a good thing definitely it can be like it's it's not quite a yes or no to me like but it's the, but nothing is right yeah. it's the whole idea that if you never even voice it into the universe mm -hmm. it never has a shot at ever taking root if you always keep it to yourself and keep it hidden it just dies with your imagination right that's profound no that's Boom. Really profound yeah look at me the greeks with the philosophy to this day people to this day, we will lead you into the crazy place. You're welcome. This You're is welcome. probably the most philosophical episode we've done yeah. in a while. Um, All right, you want to do some dick jokes? You want to do some, <laughs> some dick jokes? I got some, I got some good jokes. You want a comedy joke? I got comedy jokes. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, Stephen Allen Green, thank you so much for coming on yeah. Generation Dan. Thank you. Um, a, this is fun. You guys are great. You guys are yeah. a great team. You don't overdo it. You don't over talk each other. And I've had a great time. Thank you so much. Yeah. I want to come back. When can I come yeah. back again? When are you doing stand up again? And Atlas, you're going to be our guest on Comedy Dish. Fuck yeah. Uh, fuck I yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to the website. Is it January 7th? Uh, yeah. It's uh, January 3rd. Yeah. 3rd. And also, I sent you a link just now for my novel in progress. I've got two chapters. I posted um, it in the comments. Okay. Yeah, um, that's uh, the Myth Council Handbook because Santa is a, a main uh, character in it. We were talking about it. I'm, nice. I'm finishing it. It's not available yet, but people can read it. It's kind of fun. Nice. And, it'll be. Um, um, it'll all be in the show notes uh, okay. for people listening to or watching this. If and when know. are you doing a comedy gig again? Uh, 
my my next one is uh january uh oh no sorry it's uh february 10th originally it was supposed to be in january and then got postponed where's where uh, that at dow comedy studio okay uh, and and yeah. dino you're up in toronto i am are you, are you, do you do stand-up? I forgot. If we I do. I do do stand-up. I've been doing more and more lately, so just a few here and there. If yeah. you check out uh, Dino the Genetic Marvel on Instagram, I you post everything there. Yeah. yeah. And then, but uh, uh, yeah, it's mostly been, I've been just doing shows, and today, a little later, I'm doing a cooking show. It's going to yeah. be an amazing day. It's Hammered and Cheese, it's called, for people. Hammered and Cheese. It is well, Atlas, called. what a blessing to have met you, and yeah. Dino, I hope to meet you one day. Thank you so much, and I've uh, had so much fun. And uh, yeah, what do we what do we do now? Oh, uh, at Atlas Novak on all the stuffs, and then uh, uh, my other podcast, Nexus at Night, which is about a trading card game called Vanguard. If you don't like it, I completely understand. Uh, <laughs> and Stephen, if they click that link that you posted, uh, they'll take you to your website, uh, right? Uh, yeah, that'll take that'll yeah. take them to the Myth Council Handbook, uh, and then they can just click the About page, yeah. and you know what? Nice, cool. You know? All right. Anyway, anyway, have a happy new year, happy new year, Merry Christmas, happy Boxing Day, um, <laughs> and uh, drive safely. Yeah. <laughs> Night, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.